Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry. So Chris Malaro, CEO of Noroflow, tell us about Noroflow. Sure, yeah, thanks for having me. Noroflow is a uh, HIPAA-compliant software platform that allows mental health providers to objectively track, assess, and engage patients throughout the therapy process. You know, before Neuroflow, it was largely asking, how do you feel now? After a certain number of sessions, you're supposed to be feeling better. Like, am I? I just had a bad day, a fight with my spouse, I'm getting stressed out. Using Neuroflow, you can actually measure that progress over time. Um, and the impetus behind that is to keep people engaged, motivated, and the FDA classifies us as a decision support tool for that provider. And how long has Noroflow been in existence? And, and tell us a little bit about your inspiration for um, the, the whole concept behind Noroflow. Absolutely. Um, so my co-founder and I started the company back in spring of 2016. Uh, so going on two years in this April. Um, large part of the first 18 to 20 months of that was all research development. Uh, while we were students at University of Pennsylvania, we partnered with the neuroscience department and the behavioral lab there. And um, the reason why it all got started in the first place was my passion uh, from the mental health process that stemmed from my military experience. So I served for five and a half years in the field artillery. I was a captain when I got out. I deployed 12 months to Iraq. And uh, in that process, um, many of my friends and soldiers that I got to lead may have struggled from either PTSD or um, adjustment disorder. There's you know, no shortage of um, mental illness, not just in the military, but a lot of people think PTSD is just a military disorder. The, I guess the sad fact is 8 million Americans a year suffer from PTSD. If you think of all the students down in um, Florida, Parkland High School, every one of those students are... Um, at high risk for PTSD throughout their life, the Las Vegas shooting victims. We're being used in a clinic right now that um, treats specifically sexual assault victims. So it's a prevalent issue, and it's not just a military issue, but the military connection was the personal one for me. I don't have a psychology background. I'm a systems engineer from undergrad. And uh, when I came to Wharton, I met my co-founder, who is a bioengineering PhD. So he does have that background. He does have the research and you know, the perspective to be able to make my vision a reality. And uh, Adam Partis is his name. We partnered uh, two years ago, um, started to tinker around with some ideas using different wearables and technology and data and so forth, and found we hit a nerve and hit a, hit a real spot that was, di- I don't know if disruptive is the right word, or impactful, certainly, uh, where we don't seek to replace the mental health providers, but we... Um, we really augment their process and support them in what they're doing. Tell us a little bit about that first uh, conversation or three with Adam, because uh, yeah. that, need, <laughs> sure. that had to be pretty interesting in terms of one, you clicked, and right. two, where do we want to go with this? And you, you mm-hmm. must each share a passion for helping people. Yeah, I mean, certainly the co-founder process is very similar to the dating process. You, you meet, you lock eyes, uh, and you start talking about things and you're thinking to yourself like, wow, this guy's you know, pretty smart. He has 
capabilities that I don't have. We complement each other. This might work out. You go home. You tell your wife, like, I think I met I met the one. She goes, what are you talking about? Uh, but we we, uh, we met when we were um, – we got into a fellowship together. So it was called the Insight Fellowship, which is a technology fellowship at the graduate level program. And it was for graduate students of multi-disciplines. So he's engineering. I was business. Uh, that are just interested in using technology to make impact on society in some way. And so we met through that fellowship. And, uh, you know, just in that fellowship, having like minds, communicating, uh, a business plan competition came up at Penn. And we said, you know, let's come up with an idea and submit it. And unfortunately, um, maybe two weeks before, a good friend and colleague of mine from the military, um, I get word was struggling with, you know, these, um, these disorders. And um, and the statistic is 20 vets a day commit suicide, unfortunately. Uh, and so it dawned on me, well, why don't we try to use technology to make that process more effective? And we could create a business plan around that. And so we did, but it was, I mean, we met, and then the, this business plan competition was like a week or two later. So we pulled a few all-nighters. We tried to get in, you know, put something together, and we lost miserably. I mean, I don't think we even made it past that round. But in that process, we saw there was a real need, a real problem, and there wasn't a real solution addressing it. And that's where uh, we got started. And the foundation for NeuroFlow was established. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, and speaking of problems and solving, um, how do you describe problem that NeuroFlow solves? You look at patients today and they go through therapy process. Um, the standard of care today is largely subjective. It's asking you, you know, how do you feel right now on a scale of one to 10? Um, and that could be demoralizing if you're not like feeling better all the time and you're like, this isn't working. Uh, and you don't have that affirmation uh, that what you're doing, the effort that you're putting in every week, going to this therapy or doing exercises they give you at home is making any progress. So you lose kind of that ownership and empowerment that you're would be helpful if you had. The analogy I like to use is for my um, for New Year's resolution, I had, I want to lose 10 pounds. I go to the gym for a week, I'm pumping weights, I look in the mirror and I don't really see much of a difference. I'm like, come on, this isn't working. Uh, but if I step on a scale and I can measure, well, I lost half a pound or I lost a pound, that's a measurable difference that I can, I could see. I could measure that what I was doing was working and it motivates me to get back in the gym. So take that premise and apply that to mental health. And with our technology, since you can measure the incremental improvements over time, you can measure the fact that when you're stressed, your body is changing. So it helps fight that negative stigma that you can now see it, measure it, understand it. Uh, you keep patients engaged more. You help decrease them dropping out of treatment, uh, which leads to better outcomes. And share with us a little bit more about the um, response that you've received from the clinician community specifically when they first were exposed to this. Did they get it or were they skeptical um, or were they immediately like, oh, my gosh, this is like exactly what we were looking for? Yeah, for sure. I wish it was the latter. Uh, you know, there's I think with anything like this that moves the needle forward, there's a healthy level of skepticism, even within our own team, I would say um, out of the. Out of Adam and I, I'm probably the more ambitious one, wanting to move forward faster. And him having, you know, being in that PhD program when I met him, he was more like, yeah, that's good, but let's take a step back, make a plan, and then move forward in a more scientific way. 
So we balance each other a lot in that way. When we were talking to, when we go to psychologists or counselors and we tell them that this is what we're working on, their response was like, wow, yeah, it would be great if I could do that, but you know, you have to prove it to me, like show me. Um, and you know, they, I think they expressed a lot of the same problems that we thought they were having. Um, but when it came down to actually using it, it was, like I said, skepticism. And so what we did was we did a, um, a study at University of Pennsylvania um, in their neuroscience department. We built a prototype. So all of this was kind of just in our head on paper and pen. We made a, a PowerPoint deck up that wasn't necessarily uh, operational, like they couldn't use it. So they were like, I don't believe this until I see it and I could see that it's working and that you have the data to back that up. And so that's what we said. That's why it took us 18 months to get to that point. And then in August, we had our first, um, our first client jump on board. Um, Dr. Kristen Van Doren is a psychologist actually in uh, King of Prussia area. And she was like, yeah, I, I could see this. I'll give it a shot. So she was our first early adopting customer. And for the next six months, what we did was a, a beta phase. So we got early adopting customers that really believed in the mission and were willing to take a shot on this technology. And you could go on our website now. We have publicly facing testimonies with PhDs, clinical psychologists, MDs that have said this type of technology has transformed their practice, has made th their patients feel better, faster. Um, and I mean, this is just the beginning. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to grow. Sure. And the whole concept of, um, you know, the technology, um, mm -hmm. let's dive into that a little bit more. And Definitely. is this a, a, a wearable? Is it a, a something that is a clinician connects, if you will, to a patient in the office and does a reading, you know, kind of like an EKG or something like that? Yeah. Uh, or is it something they wear all the time that allows um, uh, measurements to be taken in different phases of a person's day to day activities? So Neuroflow is the platform, the aggregator of a bunch of different information and data points around a, a person, a, around a person throughout the therapy process. So it depends on what therapy they're doing. If, for example, they're doing cognitive behavioral therapy, that might be 12 to 15 weeks. So you could track them throughout that process. And the data that we're intaking are validated assessment scales. So if they're dealing with depression, it's the PHQ-9, anxiety, GAD-7. These are well-validated like questionnaires. So we intake those in an automated process and do data analysis on those. Um, a lot of these different therapies require homework and outside the clinic assignments. So if you're seeing a doctor once a month or uh, once a week, there's things the doctor's assigning you to do in between those sessions. It might be visualization exercises or journal exercises or what have you. They could do all those assignments right in the platform. So that's all aggregated in one spot. Um, and then to your point about wearables, we're not the wearable company. We've partnered with wearable companies uh, that measure heart rate and EEGs, which are brain waves. Mm -hmm. And through algorithms, we can measure objectively how someone is emotionally feeling. So we can measure if you get stressed, your body changes, your heart rate changes and your brain waves change. We can measure now on a scale how stressed you are and how relaxed you are. So if you're doing a, a therapy session, uh, they could identify trigger points because they could see that spike in the stress. And so it's it's not meant to be continuously worn. It's meant to be worn in a therapy session. But another data point that we gather, are uh, we tie in with Apple Health and Google Fit. So we could tell how active you're being, how well did you sleep the night before. And so all of these data points come together. 
get put into our machine learning engine, our algorithms, and then we can assess and track you over the course of therapy. That's really great um, and helpful. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit about the, um, I guess what I would call the entrepreneurial process oh, and boy. how challenging that was, um, you know, yeah. what worked well, what didn't necessarily work well. So you say how challenging it was, it still is. It's mm-hmm. uh, There's always, uh, I say as an entrepreneur, you're really a firefighter. Every day there's little fires that have to be put out around the office and in a lot of respects, reminded me a lot of being an officer in the military, uh, because you know in the military, I'm as a platoon leader, I'm leading forty soldiers, and they each have their own specialties and jobs to do in the platoon, and you know basically you're the the conductor trying to move everyone in the same direction towards the same mission, and um, and it's a pretty neat experience um, overall, but it's special when it all comes together and you, you all work as a team to accomplish the same thing. So as an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. There's a lot of problems, a lot of specialties we need, so we have to build a team around us to, to get that done and to accomplish our mission. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be one easy process, no matter what. I mean, we raised investment money. We closed a $1.25 million round in October. That process was an ordeal in and of itself. Getting a prototype built, the FDA process, HIPAA compliance, which we have to be, all these things are giant hurdles that if you're not passionate about it if you're not driven to succeed and to want to get the mission done you know would be roadblocks and roadblocks to say the least like they'd be game stoppers you referenced the fda a couple times and i'm interested do you have to do clinical trials do you have to do some sort of um, studies that show the fda the efficacy if you will of this Mm -hmm. kind of uh, tool right no that's a, a great question the fda is a a really great organization because they, they're meant to protect the consumers, protect patients, and to hold companies accountable. Um, and sometimes they have a long, arduous process to do that. But again, it's for the betterment of the patient. Fortunately, we've, we worked well with the FDA on distinguishing what our capabilities were and what claims we wanted to make. But we're not a diagnostic tool. We don't claim to be able to diagnose these illnesses. We're not a treatment tool. We don't say we're treating these illnesses. We are a measurement tool that tracks and assesses um, a patient throughout the process. And our official classification is a clinical decision support tool. And because we're careful with our claims, the FDA uh, exempt us from having to go through like the large clinical trials and so forth. And so um, that was a benefit to us. Uh, We just have to be careful and judicious with what we're claiming and how we're marketing this and so forth. but that made the process a lot, I guess, less painful. And that makes really good sense. And, and um, you know, the whole, the whole notion of providing a, a tool that allows the clinician to make a more informed decision that can provide better outcomes for the patient, right. which, which I know is really important for you, is it helps mental health patients feel better faster. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that approach. Um, I want to come back to the entrepreneurial community, specifically in Greater Philadelphia, because sure. you had mentioned you're not native to Greater Philadelphia. No. Uh, but you came here for school, and you decided to stay, uh, in part because of the, the connections that you made with others from the Greater Philadelphia region. The entrepreneurial community in Greater Philadelphia, has that been a, an asset, uh, or do you think you could have been as successful if you were somewhere else in the country as well? I mean, Philadelphia and and while we were at school, 
uh, was pivotal in, in getting this done. Um, the, you know, as a specific example, right? I met my co-founder here. We were both in school. He was at Penn Engineering. I was at uh, Wharton Business School, and uh, we started tinkering around with this. And we were just students at the time, and were able to raise one hundred and forty thousand dollars in free money, non-dilutive funds. Uh, not just from the school either. Um, so some of that came from business plan competitions that we eventually did win, not like that first time. But the uh, Greater Philadelphia Veterans Network, um, we won their Shark Tank event, which gave us $10,000. Um, that was a fantastic event put down, um, held once a year in December. We had the honor of winning that. Uh, that's just one example. Uh, we're part of Bunker Labs, which is a veteran accelerator here in town that connected us with a lot of not only um, investors, but PR outlets and, and people that are now clients of ours. Montgomery Community College, we won their accelerator pitch competition. And, and uh, the Science Center was a huge resource. They have a, a monthly thing called the, the um, Quorum, where it's like you go in for uh, bagels and breakfast and coffee and stuff. And uh, investors are there. So you get to meet them and pick their brains. And it's it's really a constant learning uh, apparatus, if you will. And Philadelphia not only made that convenient, but they, the access was there. It was prevalent enough where we can go whenever it was convenient for us. And frankly, we're an hour and a half from New York, two hours from D.C., easy train or bus ride up to meet either potential clients or investors. And so you're, you're nicely located in the center there, which has been awesome. And back home to a great quality of life at 1500 Chestnut, for example. Yeah. Right. And uh, access absolutely. to everything that Greater Philadelphia has to offer. And the Poconos. Uh, and the Poconos. <laughs> so you could ski and then go to the Jersey Beach, yeah, for sure. Right. How would you describe the, um, the support of the entrepreneurial community in Greater Philadelphia? I mean, we did everything from uh, fundraise here. So found our investors. Some of them are from outside the area, but a uh, majority of them are from at least this area. Uh, we were able to prototype our uh, our product and go through that whole development process. A lot of our engineering talent came from the universities here. So not only Penn, though a lot from Penn, uh, Drexel and uh, Villanova, uh, which was has been incredible. I mean, the, the sense of talent around here is just, I guess it makes sense now looking back on it, but I didn't really appreciate it. Uh, you know, being here. And then when we put a job post out, you have all these like brilliant kids at Penn, Temple, Drexel, Villanova putting applications in. And, you know, this is awesome. And it's in our backyard. Um, and then an exposure aspect things. I mean, last year we went down to, it's going on right now, the South by Southwest tech conference down in Austin. Uh, we went down there last year, paid for by, um, by Penn and by Philadelphia, a Philly startup and won our pitch competition down there for the health and wearables category, which came with money, but not even forget about the money. It came with great exposure and just a sense of repping the, the Philly community down in Austin. And those connections that you make is really, really special. Because uh, oh, I mean, to your point earlier about, I didn't even know about Bunker bunker Investments. Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs. Yeah. And of course, I know about the Science Center and, and Pennovation and the other communities mm -hmm. of folks that um, you can meet with that allow you to connect with investors and um, others that can advance your concept from uh, idea to reality. It's amazing. And the the truth is, is that everyone is there to be supportive and to lend a hand when you need it. But I guess in the true entrepreneurial spirit, no one is going to uh, hold your hand while 
and walk you across the finish line. Like you have to have that ownership to do that. And if you need to ask them for like a block or now down the football field, we'll go with that analogy because of the Eagles. Uh, but the, you know, they're there to support you, there to give you that block, which has been phenomenal. I mean, I, I think that I have a lot of friends that after Wharton moved up to New York and, you know, I think New York has a lot of pros and cons too, but one of the things that they complain about is that it's easy to get lost in that city. Philadelphia is a big city, but it's a small enough community where you get all the pros of a big city and none of the cons of like a huge New York cost of living is, is a big one. Um, you know, being able to get a lot of uh, positive press. I can't, but we called up Jefferson, uh, talked to them about, you know, starting a partnership, um, doing a, a clinical workshop with them. And they answered the phone and we had a meeting with them. Right. right? And so now, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't know if that would happen in, in other big cities. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great story. And it's, and it's true. I mean, it happens every day uh, across the greater Philadelphia region. And I'm glad you're experiencing that. Um, I know it's only been about 24 months, give or take, that yeah. you are identifying potentially yourself as an entrepreneur, if you will, at Noroflow. But did you always think you were mm. going to be an entrepreneur? Was that like a path that was in your, um, you know, planning process for, for life? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I, I, so before, I'm trying to think back to like childhood days, I, I always had the sense of wanting to do something impactful, um, whatever that may be. So, joining the army isn't necessarily an entrepreneurial move, but it was about being a part of something bigger than myself and being impactful. Um, starting Neuroflow, you know, mission oriented, wanting to make a difference in the community and having that social impact with it uh, is important to me. When I was a platoon leader in the Army, actually when we were deployed to Iraq, um, my uh, friend and West Point classmate co-founded a nonprofit called Things We Read. And so Things We Read um, started out wanting to inspire our younger soldiers, enlisted soldiers, to continue their education. So we got book recommendations from famous people that you know, 18-year-old private so-and-so would be inspired to follow suit with and want to read if he was saying, he or she was saying they were reading. So we started that nonprofit, small thing to help our platoons out. And one of our soldiers came up and said, you know, sir, I've never read a book from front to cover before. This was awesome. Like, do you have another recommendation? And we thought we were onto something. So over the course of the next three years, we got our 501c3 status. We raised $500,000. We... Um, deployed hundreds of thousands of books around the country and I think really made an impact on soldiers' lives. Um, so, And that was pre-business school. Um, so I think to answer your question about being an entrepreneur, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's I wanted to wear the badge, quote-unquote, that says I'm an entrepreneur. It's just that I want to create an impact, a positive impact, and if I see a problem, um, I don't want to just stand around and watch that happen. I want to be a part of the solution. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, you know, I can see there were seeds planted along the way that maybe you wouldn't have identified as entrepreneurial seeds, but that's essentially what they seem to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good way to put yeah. it. Um, what's the biggest challenge you've experienced? And, and what advice would you give to an entrepreneur today in greater Philadelphia as they um, are trying to navigate uh, the process, if you will? I know it's a tough one. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. I think the, the biggest challenge, and this may be a little bit more of a, an intangible answer, but it's just putting up with the day-to-day. -day. 
uh, because wins wins are important, even the small wins. So appreciating where you are at in the process, being excited about that. Um, you know, we we raised our investment round. We have a team now. We have 15 employees, all based in in the Philly, greater Philadelphia area, and that's a really exciting time. But I'm not, you know, I catch myself sometimes not being appreciative of where we are at now as a company because I'm looking down the road. I want to be at post-series A. I want to be at a, in bigger hospital systems. But it's important to pause, appreciate where you're at in the process, and be excited about where you're going. Uh, but if you're not, if you don't appreciate where you're at in the process and, you know, kind of stop, pause, and, and deal with the little wins all the problems that occur will become overbearing. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a matter, it's a stamina game and being able to put up with all the setbacks because they're inevitable, you know, surrendering to the fact that these setbacks are going to occur. You have to find a way around them uh, and, you, and you'll do that if you continue to push forward. Totally. And, and what I hear you saying, and I've experienced this personally and professionally as well, it's celebrate those successes. You know, yeah. you may not even recognize them as a win right. because they're, they're all, they, are, they may be small. Very well put. Yeah. But they actually are really milestone wins that get you to the next one and to the next one. And that's, that's really good advice. And I'm glad you recognize yeah. that, actually. Like for an example, uh, Wharton gave us free office space for the first year of our business, maybe a little bit longer than that. And Eventually, when I graduated, they even let us stay in that free office space a couple months after. But then the next school year was happening. They're like, guys, we, you know, we need this space. So we moved into our first official office space where we had to pay, you know, pay a lease for and everything. And we paused, you know, we moved in there. We, um, we emptied the boxes and everything. And Adam and I looked at each other and go like, you know, this is it. We're here. This is our first real office space. We were, you know, we were a real company beforehand, but something about that made us feel even more real. And then, and that was kind of special for us. That's really cool. And it, it does. You have that moment of, wow, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That's cool. What's next? What's next for NoroFlow? Yeah. I mean, this, this year is going to be a big year for us. Our beta test went so successfully over the last six months. I mean, it went beyond my, even my expectations. I was expecting to still be in beta now. Uh, but we were getting so many positive reviews from psychologists and the clinicians that were using us that were frankly saying, I've never seen a platform this comprehensive before. I've, my patients uh, love this, love being able to measure their progress. We, had, um, we were just presenting down in Austin two weeks ago at uh, the Psych Congress Conference for hundreds of therapists, counselors, psychiatrists there. And we were voted by overwhelming majority um, the most disruptive and impactful mental health technology at the conference, which frankly, I looked at all the other technologies and I, I was, I'm surprised. I, I was really humbled to be not only in that setting and in that you know, community, but then to be received so positively. Anyway, that's a long way of saying we had a successful beta test uh, for six months and are now scaling up and trying to educate the market and therapists around the country and provide this service to them and their patients. So right now we're adding about 10 to 12 clinics a month uh, that are using the service. So it's going to continue about growing, adding clinics, uh, doing a little bit more research, always tinkering around and improving the products and uh, seeing where it goes from there. That's great. Hmm. Um, but I did want to come back to something you had mentioned uh your uh, military buddy who really 
in part was the inspiration for you to move this idea from concept to reality when you learned you had two weeks to enter this contest at Penn and you would learn that he was struggling. Yeah. How's he doing today? And how often do you think about him when you're working on NeuroFlow? I mean, unfortunately, it's not just one person. Um, I mean, him in particular, he, he's doing better, but there's been other friends that have, um, you know, lost their battle and, and, and took their own lives. And again, not necessarily the, the exception here, um, 20 vets a day. And so my, uh, you know, my mantra is you, you said this is a market opportunity and from a business perspective, you're right. My goal is to make that market opportunity go away. And if we do that, there are other market opportunities here that we're being used by um, athletes to, to uh, measure their performance, on, uh, their stress under uh, performance. So if I could make every mental health patient better, I totally would. And I'd find other opportunities to use Norflow. Market yourself right out of business, right? Right. That would 100%. be a great goal. Yeah. It would be. Chris Malaro, co-founder and CEO of Noroflow. Thanks for being with us on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Thanks so much. This is a pleasure. Growing Greater Philadelphia is supported in part by many of our investors and partners, including Liberty Property Trust. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Liberty Property Trust has been creating environments that have been helping businesses realize their full potential for nearly 50 years. To learn more about the Philadelphia Navy Yard and other Liberty Properties, visit libertyproperty.com. And by Drexel University. Drexel was founded in 1891. They're one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University at drexel.edu. Check out all of our podcasts on radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. Philadelphia.